You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Masters. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to the program today and I'm so glad you've joined me. Have you ever been, or are you now, jealous? Before you answer that question, consider what the word jealous means. It has three meanings. Firstly, to be envious of what someone else has or has achieved, and that feeling could easily lead to covetousness. Second meaning, to be fiercely protective of one's rights, possessions, or relationships, and thirdly, demanding faithfulness. In the Ten Commandments, God proclaims himself as being jealous, and here's what he says, and it's found in Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5. He says, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God's proclamation of himself as being jealous is because, as he is the superior being in the universe, that it is only right and proper that people who he has created should worship him alone. Now, that's not an issue of God trying to grab all the limelight to make himself look superior. He already is superior. If people bow down and worship a piece of carved wood or stone or moulded metal or even a natural object, they're degrading themselves. Since man is the highest life form on earth, to worship something inferior is a debasing practice. God claims worship of himself because he is the creator. No one else is worthy of worship because everything else is in the same class as we are, that is, created. We have the ability to pass on life but are not able to create original life. In the times in which we live, people are becoming increasingly secular. Australia is a secular country, but it is not one where the majority of the population has turned their backs on religion, even if the numbers doing so are increasing with each census. Nor is Australia a country where the state has no interaction with religion. Australia's population is still predominantly religious. Although the number of people identifying as having no religion is growing. In the 2011 census, 68.3% of the population had a religion and 61.1% of Australians identified as Christian. However, the National Church Life Survey data 
reveals that over the last four decades, the proportions of Australians attending church at least once a month has more than halved from 36% in 1972 to about 15% currently. But human beings seem to have a need to worship something. Indeed, it is estimated that at least 85% of all people worship some form of God. But what are those gods? In Revelation 14.7 is a message applicable to the people of our times to fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. In other words, everything. Because society is becoming increasingly secular, probably because of powerful forces like evolution, some branches of philosophy and teachings like communism, many have dispensed with God. But you know, just because people claim there is no God does not mean that God has disappeared. God is immortal and eternal. However, most human beings have tensions in their lives as to who or what they will worship. In other words, they have difficulties in determining who or what is the master of their lives. And this is a very real problem. And it doesn't just affect those who claimed they have no religion. This problem affects everybody. So the question is, who or what is your master? Is it money, that is, the desire to become wealthy and financially secure? Is it your possessions? Is it your family or your road to success? Perhaps it's in your education or possibly your abilities. Is it taking drugs or other harmful substances? Whatever is your master will determine the pattern and direction of your life. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, the wise philosopher King Solomon wrote, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That means that what occupies your thoughts determines who you are. If If you're always thinking about ways to get wealthy, you're a slave to money. If you're always thinking about sex, you're a slave to sex. If you're thinking up schemes to defraud people of their position, possessions or power, you're a fraudster. It's not just what you do that determines who you are. It's mostly what occupies your thoughts. And Jesus spoke about this in part of the Sermon of the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 to 30. And he gave two examples. The first one was about murder. In verse 22, Jesus proclaimed, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother 
is subject to judgment as a murderer. The desire for revenge against someone else and the plans that person makes to do harm to the other party determines who he is. And then in verse 28, Jesus gave a second example where he said, But I tell you that anyone who looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The man's thoughts reveal that he is an adulterer. So have you ever been in the situation where you've tried to please two people? When I was entering my teen years, I had two girlfriends. There was Diane and Maxine. But I found it impossible to think of them equally, and I felt more attracted to Diane than Maxine. And so it is with life. One thing will master us at the expense of the other. And Jesus highlighted this in Matthew 6 and verse 24. He said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he said, You cannot serve both God and money. I want to share with you a comment from an author who writes about social conditions in the United States. His comments may well apply to any national or cultural grouping. And here's what he says. If you try to serve both God and money, you'll only end up serving money. A good example of this is professing Christian actors who are in sex scenes and play ungodly roles in movies. You say you love God, but the money makes you compromise. And with God, there is no compromising. It's hard for a rich man to enter heaven. Christian business owners are doing illegal practices because of their love for money. There is a reason America is filled with nudity, gambling, jealousy and evil everywhere. TVs, magazines, movies, websites, commercials are all filled with corruption because America serves money, not God. When you serve money, you're serving the devil because you will do anything for it. There are so much armed robberies, drug dealings and fraud going on today. And then he says many pastors are watering down the gospel and twisting words of the Bible to make people happy because of their greed. Do you have an idol in your life? Maybe it's sin, sports, hobbies, etc. God will not share his glory with anyone or anything. Without Christ, you have nothing. He is the reason for your next breath. The things in this world will not satisfy you. Everything in this world will disappear, but God will never. He will provide for you, but trust in him alone. 
Stop compromising because he doesn't share. Well, money itself is not evil, but the, the love of money is. We read in 1 Timothy 6.10, The love of money is the root of all evil. Of course, a tree must have roots. That's the part of the tree that's fundamental to the rest of the tree. Love of money is the fundamental part of doing evil in order to get rich. Take a moment to just think about the robberies, the scammers, the fraudsters, the crime gangs, the racketeers, the dishonest officials who need bribes before providing proper service, drug peddlers and the like. The world is full of such people who do what they do not because they serve God, because money is their master. I'm going to stop here and I'm going to share a little story straight afterwards about someone who loved money more than God. How can a man be born again? My Lord said to Moses on the mountain top, the mountain top, the mountain top. talking about the love of money before the break and now I want to give you a true life example one of my work colleagues was a young woman at the time we worked at the same work site she owned a white Volkswagen Beetle car her car was not running very well and seemed to lack its normal power one day she called in at a local garage and asked the owner if he could get the mechanic to check her car out to see what was wrong. She left the car there, and at a later time came back to the garage to hear the verdict. The business owner told her the engine was worn out, and the car required a new one. She agreed to have a new motor fitted. After a few days and about two weeks' wages later, she collected her car. 
To her disappointment, the engine still seemed underpowered, although it ran more smoothly. So she went to another garage and asked if they could diagnose the problem. It was then discovered that the previous garage people had changed only the spark plugs of her engine and painted the motor with a can of spray paint to make it look like a new one. She had been defrauded, all because of the love of money. You know, happiness is not necessarily the product of wealth. Some of the unhappiest people in society are very rich, but they never have enough. Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6 has some good advice for Christians. It says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, this is God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In around 2010, my wife and I joined a team of volunteers to go to the Kiribati Islands right on the equator in the Pacific Ocean to do re-roofing and other maintenance job or jobs at the Kama School on the Coral Atoll of Abamama. The people there are very poor and subsist on imported rice, fish caught in the sea, locally grown breadfruit and coconut. Their means of income is derived from sale of coconut and fish. Life expectancy is only about 55 years. Yet, despite their poverty, these are happy people. They live a simple lifestyle and are satisfied. Again, Jesus said something very important that everyone would do well to heed. It is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and verses 22 and 23. He said, If your eye is pure, there'll be sunshine in your soul. But if your eye is clouded with evil thoughts and desires, you are in deep spiritual darkness. And oh, how deep that darkness can be. My friends, I too have experienced that darkness, and it's soul-destroying. It is much better to live honestly, honourably, and nobly. It is much better to be able to look someone in the eye without fear that they might suspect you're hiding something. What does it mean if your eye is pure? It means by keeping your thoughts pure, without thinking about that which is degrading, you will have a much happier life. On the other hand, 
By mentally dwelling on that which is evil or harmful is soul-destroying. It becomes a mental and psychological burden and it may well shorten your life. It's no wonder that embedded within the Ten Commandments is a promise that those who honour their parents will have a good long life. Here, I'll read it to you. Exodus 20 and verse 12 it says, Honour your father and your mother, that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you. Now, that just doesn't mean that you will be able to expect a long life, but includes a satisfying life. And I believe there is an assumption in this instruction. The assumption is that your parents bring you up to be a pure, obedient, self-respecting, socially responsible, God-fearing person. Jesus also said something to do with this topic about masters that has great importance. His words are recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through to 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away or might be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. If your prophets are in heaven, your heart will be there too. Whatever is your master apart from God, it will not be able to provide any permanence simply because it is not permanent and neither are you. Say, for example, you buy a new car. Well, my car is there to serve me. But some people seem to serve their car more than the other way around. After a while, the new car, the paint, will begin to get scratched, the tyres will wear, the upholstery will deteriorate and the battery will fail. Money loses its value, houses get out of date and require repairs, and clothing, of course, gets out of fashion. We have an example in the Bible of someone who spent his time acquiring wealth with the intention that he would retire and enjoy the fruits of his labours. It was the rich farmer who had so much grain that he decided to build bigger barns to hold the grain he had amassed. The story is a parable told by Jesus found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12 and verses 16 to 20. The rich farmer who, when he had determined his plans for the future, never realised his expectations. And verse 20 of Luke chapter 12 says, But God said to him, You fool! You will die this very night. Then who will get all that you've worked for? You see, it's only when we are rich toward God, when we repent of our sins, when we accept the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus, and when we honour and obey him, that we have real treasure. 
This treasure has eternal worth because God gives us eternal life. John D. Rockefeller was a billionaire with a net worth of about 418 billion US dollars. He became quite sick in his latter years and he's reported to have said at that time, I would give all my wealth away if only I could get my health back. He served the master of money for most of his life and it let him down. Others are mastered by greed. Greed brings no real satisfaction. Drugs master many people, especially young people. Drugs do not satisfy for long. When the high wears off, there is the need for more, and when there's no money left to buy further drugs, the addicts turn to crime. Drugs master many, and only in very rare cases do people get out of the drug treadmill without being seriously harmed. And you know that's just what Satan wants. He doesn't care about anyone. His great aim is to destroy as many people as possible so that they will not learn that there is a loving God who cares about people and wants to save them. Satan dangles all sorts of sorts of diversions in front of people so that they will become slaves or servants to those allurements. Those things then become their masters. My friends, I'm fairly certain that you've had other masters or you've been tempted to have other masters in your lives. But whatever they may be or are, there is only one master who gives complete satisfaction and that is our master, Jesus. He is our servant master. Make him your master and you can't go wrong.